Welcome to Season 2 of Voices from the Land, a special podcast series produced by the Legacy Hope Foundation. In this podcast series, we'll hear about Indigenous language revitalization projects and efforts to preserve and promote Indigenous languages across Turtle Island. Join us as we learn more about how Indigenous languages are helping Indigenous peoples connect, know, and remember the voices from the land. Hello and welcome to this podcast on Indigenous languages. Voices from the Land is an Indigenous language podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Its goal is to capture more perspectives and voices on Indigenous language revitalization. We are seeking to capture a range of perspectives to better reflect the many people engaged in Indigenous language revitalization. Our aim is that by listening to teachers, adult learners, and parents or guardians of children in language classes, or whose children have taken language classes, we can gain more insight into what are the challenges and barriers, as well as the solutions and positives that are out there. In turn, we hope this will form a larger discussion on how to support Indigenous language revitalization. In this podcast episode, our guest is Lydia Stonechild. She is an adult language learner and a daughter of a Cree language teacher. Hello, Lydia, and welcome to this language podcast. Glad you could join us today. Uh, good afternoon, Gordon. I uh, just want to uh, quickly correct the My last name is Sunchild, but thank you for that, and thank you for having me here today. Okay, my apologies. No worries. Okay, Sunchild. Yeah. <laughs> Correction. All right. Okay, maybe, uh, maybe you can start by talking a little bit about your background. Uh, where you're from, your nation, I guess you're Cree, or what I read here, and uh, we are going to be uh, talking to you as a uh, as an adult language learner and also as a language teacher. So uh, uh, we'll try and uh, get as much information from you as possible in both those areas, if that's okay with you. Sounds good. Okay, uh, so just talk a little bit, of, start by talking a little bit about your background, where you're from. And a bit about your family. Maybe uh, we'll start from there. Sure, sounds good. Uh, well, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Lydia Sunchild Gaptikunakutunia from Thunderchild First Nation, located in Treaty 6 in Saskatchewan. Uh, I've been a teacher for eight years, primarily in First Nation schools. I recently received a master's in education administration. Um, with the University of Saskatchewan. So since then, I've been doing some consulting work and but primarily work as a researcher for a First Nations government organization. From Thunderchild First Nation, I grew up in a Cree immersion school. Um, my mother was also a Cree language instructor since I was a young little girl. As an adult, as I left high school and Still continued to try and take Creek courses uh, in the university. However, was was not too successful, even though I could speak more of the language than most of the people that were in those courses. In my later years, after I got my master's, I enrolled into a program called Indigenous Language Certificate uh, Program at the University of Saskatchewan, which has been going well. However, due to the lack of funding, I'm not in the course right at this moment. I am the mother of a 17-year-old daughter who is graduating this year. She's gone to three different Cree immersion schools throughout the province. 
Uh, with her, she's only taken one Cree language course in her high school uh, at a, in a Cree immersion school. So anytime that she's gone to a non-First Nation school, she hasn't been a part of any Cree immersion. And that's my background and my family history when it comes to language revitalization. Well, what I'm going to try to do is I'm trying to try and cover two areas of, of your background as a, an adult learner and also as a, uh, a parent or a parent of a child that's taken immersion. So uh, it's going to be jumping around a little bit. So uh, just bear sure. with me. Okay. Uh, Same with me. I, my answers might be um, cross cross because I've done a lot of teaching with Korea immersion as well in the school. So I, Probably combine them all, but yeah, we'll see how this works. Yeah, okay. Uh, you are a parent of a child in an Indigenous language program, or, he, or she was. Uh, can you describe the program and how it functions, its location, number of students, and so on? Um, sure. Well, as I'm not sure as how big the, um, the school was, the number of students. However, it is an inner-city school that is offered by the Catholic school uh, system. And uh, it's a Cree immersion school. As soon as you walk into the school, you could see, you know, that it was First Nations led, very prominent pictures on the walls and things like that. As soon as you go even into the parking lot, they have parking signs that say uh, Gukum's parking, things like that, that really um, promote the language. How, Often it was actually taught within the classes through the instructors. I, I can't speak for that, but from what I see on the outside, they've done a really good job. I do know that my daughter, she did take one Cree class while she was there. Anything other than that, not. She hasn't taken anything that is Cree specific. Okay, has she, uh, what's, what would you say her level of uh, Cree knowledge is? I would say... She's still in the beginner stages. She knows the basics, the numbers, the basic command terminologies. However, I wouldn't say that she learned that from school. That's from home. Right. That's from, you know, having people like my mother and my Kakitit, my, my Gukum who just passed away. Like she had people like that in her life who spoke the language to her. And I myself, and that really supported her. Beyond that, I haven't heard her sing too much that, that's different than home. All right, okay. Other than, uh, other than home, like uh, she's, she's learning Cree at, at school or in a program, an immersion program. Are there other opportunities that, that she's, uh, she's learning to speak Cree other than you mentioned you talk a bit of She's learned some of it at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there other places that you know she uh, she speaks the Cree language? Like, with her, does she talk in Cree with her uh, with her friends or in the schoolyard or other places like that? I think when they're given opportunities to attend cultural specific events, you can hear the students really trying, and or she'll come home and. She's like, you know, I, I learned a new word today type of thing. But a lot of that really happens when, when schools make an effort to become a part of traditional ceremonies, even something simple like a powwow. Or one thing that 
that she knew from my home community would be they have a traditional high school graduation and the Cree language is used a lot there and especially when they do their speeches. So there's a chance there that, you know, there was a time and chance where she really looked forward to that, to being able to come up with those speeches. However, she won't be graduating there this year. Um, so that was uh, something that I really wish that she had here available in the city. Okay, you're in the city. Uh, she's mm -hmm. learning this language in the city. What community, like, uh, would you, are you most related to? Do you associate yourself with and your daughter? As of right now, we've lived in the city for the last two and a half years. So pretty much her whole high school, grade 10 to 12. Before that, we've lived on reserve in my home community in Thunderchild. Okay. How important is language revitalization in your community? Like, uh, is it Th Thunderchild? Wow. I would say language revitalization is a top priority within my own First Nations school. Uh, back home, everything is Cree immersion based. Everything from the moment that you walk onto the school grounds and you see how the school presents itself. So when you walk to the school or when you go to the school, there's that immediate language revitalization vibe as soon as you walk towards the school because you see elders. There's like a memorial for them outside of the school. When you walk in to the school, you'll see the Cree language as soon as you walk in. The day starts off with a Cree prayer uh, and a Cree song. And these are teachings that come not only to one particular class, but each class, you know, throughout the school will take a turn. It really supports the students in their ability to speak Cree and because they speak to the whole school. Every time that there's any type of interaction with the school, say like um, school assembly or whatnot, they, you know, they follow those same those same protocols and have students participate in those. Land-based opportunities are essential. Um, they have hunting programs within the school for the high school students. Cree is a very important class that's, you know, taken very seriously within the school. There's just a big sense of pride when it comes to speaking the Nihewan language there that it's yeah. included into their daily practice. You know, sure. even the signs within the community at a stop sign, it says Niki, which means stop. So it's just different things that reinforce the language throughout the community that really support the school to speak and teach Cree. You're actually, uh, that's excellent. Uh, you're actually getting ahead of me. Those are questions I'm going to ask you a little further, but... Uh, oh, sorry uh, about that. That's Okay. The school that you're talking about, you, you said it's full immersion. Is that correct? Yeah, from... from uh, grade grade um, one to kindergarten to grade what? I'd say even from nursery to grade 12. Holy moly. That's amazing. So it's Cree. If every class is taught in Cree? They're not taught within Cree. I think Cree is um, intertwined into their lessons. At the time yeah. that I was there, yeah, they're intertwined. And uh, I mean, they have a Cree immersion instructor that works with the teachers throughout the school, throughout the school year to implement. And also one thing that I really admired about the school when I worked there was uh, 
each class they would um, acknowledge an elder within the community, invite them in, feed them traditional foods, share with them an art project of some sort, and just acknowledge them and acknowledge their presence, following protocols. So give the students a chance to follow protocol. Yeah. Just engage and get to know their elders of the community. Yeah, sort of uh, teaching some of the protocols and some of the traditions, traditional values of uh, of the community. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, yeah. Can you, like, explain more about, it's not full immersion by the sounds of it, but it's, it's, you said it's intertwined now. Maybe, uh, so I'm going into a classroom, let's say, uh, I'm going into a history class. How much of it would be in Cree and how much of it would be in English? I think it really depends on the resources available and and who can actually speak the language. Like, if it was my history course, you know, I would do my best to try and have as much Cree language as possible as I can within the lesson. But if we have a non-Indigenous instructor in our school, we can't be expectant of the same thing. So it really depends on the amount of language instructors that are available, which makes it really, you know, at times difficult to support that. Okay. So that brings me to our next question. And this has come up before in terms of uh, lack of teachers available uh, in schools to teach the Indigenous language. I would uh, consider this kind of like a, a barrier or an obstacle. So that was my question. What would you say are the biggest obstacles and barriers for your child in taking a language immersion program? What what are some of the obstacles? You mentioned not enough language teachers. Is there anything else? Well, I know that there's a real, you know, huge lack of resources that are available. Um, A lot of resources. resources? Um, Well, Cree language instructor resources specifically, like when I look at resources nowadays, I know uh, from my dad's community, they were fortunate enough to create an app that helped people speak the language and reinforce if they're saying a word wrong or right, which has been really nice. And we know that Cree languages differentiate between communities uh, because how the Cree is spoken in my dad's community is spoken a little different than my mom's community. And so being able to have access to something like that, just even how to speak would be something that be really beneficial for our people. We, like I can go to any, almost any library and find, uh, you know, a resource on how to speak other languages. But if I were to look for an Indigenous language resource within that library, it's so scarce. There's, there's barely anything. If not, sometimes there's nothing, right? When I think of, you know, I didn't, get to teach elementary for too long and when I did I taught high school English and it just seems like the resources that are available you know they are in the Cree language program course and I I can get a chance to really see what was well how can I put that within my classroom it was always having to make things on my own to incorporate Cree within my own courses right are you uh, a teacher yourself? I was a teacher for eight years. I was a high school English teacher. Okay, but not uh, you're you're just you're still learning the Cree language, right? You're not a, you're still, not a Cree language teacher yet. 
still learning the language. I am enrolled into a program to teach it. <laughs> and the reason why I, I, I got into this program is I myself am not sure that if I'll ever, ever even go back to teaching, but I know that pre-immersion is important. And one of the reasons that I got a master's in education administration was so that I could support that transition because it doesn't seem to always be on the forefront of our administrative uh, side when it comes to our First Nations schools. And I want to know how I could be better as an administrator to support language within our schools. Most of the times we have non-First Nation administrators within our schools. And so just wanting to, you know, be able to support that for our nations. Right. What would you say are some positives in your child taking an Indigenous language immersion course? What are some positive things that come out of that? Okay. Um, well, I, there's so much. Like, she's very proud of who she is, where she comes from. She knows her Cree name. You know, she's done things like that, too. She knows where she's from. She knows her language, uh, that she comes from the Cree people. And that, for me, was huge because I feel like a lot of our identity was lost when our language was lost. And that, that's a, a first step in the, the right direction for her to regain that knowledge. Right. Yeah, that's what instills pride mm-hmm. in a child and uh, makes them feel better about themselves. Is there anything else that uh, you want to add to uh, positives in your child taking Indigenous language immersion course? Sure. Uh, yeah, there's actually a few. Um, so one of the things too with the career immersion programs that she's she's been immersed in and that we've seen is we've always had uh, an elder. Uh, or traditional knowledge keepers within the school and you know just the love and and the light that they bring to to our students I you could see like my when my daughter would be a young when she was a young girl her she would light up and look forward to listening to those traditional stories more than even just reading from a book and you know it's just that that simple teaching and knowing that we we as First Nations people are Nihewan learners. We are listening through, you know, listening. We're oral learners first. And so that was a, a really nice to see that my daughter was picking that up. And she still carries that to this day. If she ever sees a traditional, like our elder anywhere, you know, she's going to drop everything and go help them and be supportive. So that respect for elders is there. You know, really think that knowing how to even just being shown how to do a morning prayer was huge. To give thanks is huge. So she knows how to do that on her own now. And, you know, the, for as a parent, I'm really grateful that she she knows how to, to pray in Cree on her own. You know, just uh, learning different songs throughout the year, how different songs go with different seasons or different reasons, different ceremonies, different traditions. Um, There's so much more to language than we realize. And she knows that, that it's within and how the language is intertwined and how, um, yeah, I I just, I just think of all the good things that uh, have come of it when, She's so happy she could say a new word. She's been working on it and, you know, just things like that of that nature. She'll go home. She'll call home, call my mom and, you know, speak Cree. And 
try her best. And and what I, I love about that is uh, the career immersion school is there's no shaming and trying to learn. It's all, it's all yeah. a learning process, knowing that good things take time. Right. Yeah. It sounds like uh, the culture is being incorporated in, in, into the learning process. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that um, I really enjoyed when I, when I taught there, we did a school exchange with students from Toronto and, Part of that is I had my high school students um, help plan, prep, and show our visitors our language, traditions, ceremonies, foods, dance, even clothing. And this reinforced that pride with our own students. But one of the things of how are we going to teach some of the language to non-Indigenous students who are primarily from downtown Toronto to come to our community and walk away knowing a few words of Cree? So... The school that I worked for at the time used this, used a program called Total Physical Response to Learning Cree. And when I worked as a consultant with a city organization here in town, I actually got certified. It's, it's a program called Total Physical Response to Learning Cree. And that is, you know, a complete different way of learning Cree. It's just there's no paperwork. It's all hands and it's all body work mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, we were able to do that and show our visitors. And, and not only that, I'm sure like we were reinforcing these teachings with our own students and our and our non-Indigenous staff. So it was really good uh, opportunity. I think I really like that program. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, the first one I've heard of this kind, uh, but also you're also, you know, you're teaching uh, non-Native students about your culture, which is really good, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, very positive. Uh, nothing, I mean, the only positive things can come out of that. So you are kind of uh, being ambassadors to to your to your culture, um, and you're you know you're doing you're doing some reconciliation. So mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's an excellent thing that you, your school has done. And it sounds to me like uh, it's become a positive learning environment. The school. Uh, I take it that children are are happy and uh, feel comfortable going to that school. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and and community really um, embraces their own educators at the same time. So it's almost like a family vibe. But even if you're not, like the educators are, we're encouraged to look at being a part of the community as a family. So. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I haven't taught there in two years. I've been gone, <laughs> but I, I could imagine it's still the same. I, you know, the majority of my family goes there. My younger family, they still go to school there. And there's, yeah. How they were able to do this over the COVID period, though, I'm not sure. Right, yeah. It's been challenging for, I think, schools, wherever you go, you know, students. I think... Um, I can't see it being positive in the sense that, you know, children need to be around other children uh, and uh, classroom settings, doing things through computer online classes, uh, you know, I don't think is quite as effective as in a classroom. What would you like to see happen to improve children's success in learning their language? Is there anything that that you see that, that needs to be done more well, I think if we want to improve Indigenous learning success, we need to see language revitalization be more at the forefront and being more present, being more supported, funded, you know, guided within our 
institutions to support instruction. And when I think, when I, when I talk about these things, I, I talk about specific things that I, you know, I've seen, but when I really think about it, we think about schools within Canada that are like French immersion schools. And these schools are, you know, they're funded right to the, I don't know how well they're funded, but it looks really good. And I think about our own communities and our own nations and the lack of it. Just the other day uh, or the other month, I saw a friend of mine fundraising on Facebook to take his kids to a land-based opportunity. You know, why are we fundraising to learn our language? You know, the discrepancy is, is clear there in funding. Right. I think with, with more support, we could do more things and, you know, we could do more things that would support language revitalization. We could support having our elders within the community more than one. We could support, you know, having those traditional knowledge keepers within our school so that we could see more language within our classrooms, more language within our school activities. And I even saw this one, uh, I didn't participate, but I saw a, like a Cree language B sort of thing kind of like a spelling bee, but it was a Cree language uh, within within an aggregate of schools. And they were able to promote this. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful idea for these students to take part in and, and be encouraged to speak their language. You know, to see schools focused around First Nation teachings or acknowledge them would be amazing, more than just seeing it in one particular school, you know, or, or a few you know, one program is called Nawijinan, and uh, it incorporates contemporary music with, you know, combined with students and talks about whatever they feel like they want to share, whether it be, you know, their struggles or uh, whatnot. But it also, I've also come across where Nawijinan had such a huge impact on this community, and they incorporated contemporary music, traditional knowledge, and the language. And the pride that it brought within that school, it brought the community together. And that's what we need to see. We need to see more opportunities that give us a sense of pride for our, to bring our people back to be able to take part in their own. I, we did a, a career fair and we called it Agamemuk. Agamemuk means persevere, keep trying, keep going. And uh, we as a school, invited our own First Nations leaders who have gone out to the world and, you know, have done a, an excellent job and invited them to come back to show pride to our students. So if we were able to do things like that, give our students pride from their own nation so that they're proud from where they come from, I think it would make such a huge difference if teachers didn't have to fundraise to go back and teach their own traditional knowledge, you know. Okay, I'm going to switch. I got a few questions about you as a, an Indigenous language learner, as an adult language learner in this sure. area. You as a, an adult learner of an Indigenous language, what are some of the barriers you have ex seen or experienced while trying to learn your Indigenous language? Uh, well, the lack of availability to even participate in in Cree language programs they're not available right. um, you know I've had to pay for a few of my own classes it just became too pricey and I can't 
And now I'm in search of funding for it right now. There's programs that are out there. I know you just got to take the time to search for them, but I'm, you know, I've been lucky enough to have the resources to search for what I need to continue this. Um, but I think of, you know, people without those resources, like, you know, and even when I go back to my home community, there's even something like Wi-Fi is, is scarce. Like, so how are they going to find resources online or participate in online resources or, you know, just things like that? Yeah, that's a good point because it leads kind of leads to a question I had about uh, what are some effective tools that you or other students, uh, other people uh, uh, that are learning the indigenous language, what are some of the resources like tools like uh, you mentioned learning uh, language apps, other others that you are aware of? Well, during COVID, I did take part in, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was on Facebook. And that was like weekly teachings. And so that was something that I think developed over COVID just to give people something to do and, and to support that. And I, I took part in that, but however, it wasn't too interactive. It was just more or less being told what right. how things are, are stories and, and things like that. I also took part in a, another program that was offered online. I think it costs like uh, not too much, maybe like a hundred dollars but those were some online things that kept me busy yeah. and uh, made it available for me to, to learn some more Cree. However, there's just not enough Cree programs that are available out there, especially when you're, you work full time, you're a parent, you know, all of these things, they're usually offered during the day yeah. times that can't make it. And so. Okay. From your perspective, what has worked well, what has been a positive learning method or approach in your language learning experience what has been a positive learning method or approach um a positive learning approach for me has just been learning online being interactive though with the instructor and being able to talk to them rather than just being spoken to uh, has made a huge difference is there a particular method that uh do you think, like, as, a, as an adult learner and also as a, as a teacher, is there a particular method you think is more effective than anything else that you've seen? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I would always have to go back to hands-on. Yeah. Having those hands-on opportunities to participate when it comes to, you know, language and when I connect it to ceremony you know, even just participating in a feast, it's just, it's hands-on, you're right, you're immersed in it. And that for me is what I need to learn Cree. And yes. there's almost nothing like it. Yeah, that's like, uh, that's like total immersion, like uh, going into a Cree community and just living there and listening to the language and going to ceremonies and hearing the language at ceremonies. That would be, uh, I think, at one time, that used to be in our community. I come from a Creek community in Northern Manitoba. And that used to be our community. Like, when I was uh, a young boy, that's all we spoke was Cree. Cree was like 90, 99% of the time spoken in the community. And now, you know, as everybody knows, residential school has kind of really, you know, had a, has had a big negative impact on us being able to return or re retain our languages. So 
I guess that's why we're here today doing this. So, uh, with regards to uh, your language learning experience, what would you like to see change or improve as a teacher, as an adult learner? Okay. Uh, as a teacher and an adult learner, I would love to see more opportunities to learn the language, more opportunities to have access to resources, to to not have to fundraise to learn your traditional ways, you know, simple things like that. Well, I and I also just to add to that, would like to see just a huge improvement in how much uh, language revitalization actually exists within our schools to have the language first, because if our participants of anyone, students, visitors, teachers, you know, are coming to a Cree immersion school and see the Cree language first and foremost, that's going to set precedence and, and show the importance in it, that it's not, a side language. It's not our second language. That's our first language. What would you say is the most important thing to keep in mind when learning an Indigenous language? I think that good things take time, and that includes language, and not to feel shamed or scared to speak the language. I find that that was one of the biggest problems or issues that I came across. There was a huge hesitation in just being afraid to say a word wrong because there would be a lot of shaming. Right. And uh, I wow. feel like that's changed over the last little while. And so just that, you know, good things take time. Okay. Uh, we're almost at the end of our interview here. Uh, I want to ask you one, one more question. Just kind of, if you left anything out, uh, please, please feel free to, to mention it. Uh, in terms of resources that are in your community that people are using that are effective tools and also projects that are happening in your community that you'd like to share? Um, some important programs, practices, and initiatives that have happened um, that I saw that were really successful and supportive of re language revitalization had to do with the planning of how the school is run and how it reflects First Nations teachings seasonally. And even how it supports our students by, by age. And for example, there's traditional grad, you know, indigenizing the graduation from kindergarten and high school. Right. Incorporating uh, the morning song, but not only having, you know, one class do it, like um, having that navigate throughout the school year, throughout each grade. Having access to an elder you know, I've seen this before, too, uh, when students, you know, are just not, uh, are struggling. Where do they go? To the elder. Well, you know, that's not always the answer. We need to make sure that we have elders for all purposes within our school. You know, the good things, too. And offering traditional teachings uh, throughout the school year, when it comes to the different there's different cycles of the moon or different, there's so many different things. Um, you know, even something simple like uh, a student's birthday, giving them that traditional birthday song, sung in Cree, um, indigenizing the spelling bee to make it a Cree language bee, acknowledging and, and hosting their own round dances, you know, 
um, teaching how to uh, the importance of uh, traditional clothing uh, and giving it a name, acknowledging the elders within the community, even just speaking it. Our non-First Nations teachers really, you know, are really encouraged and supported to speak the language. When I worked with the city school as a consultant, our city, city aggregate, I'll call it, you know, one of the things was teaching them, my colleagues at the time who are non-Indigenous, just to say, you know, a traditional greeting. So really just being a part and showing, you know, showing students that you are trying really makes a big difference in, in their trying. What, uh, so I think I might have got off track there. <laughs> no, no, you, you said some really good things. Thank you for uh, for sharing your time with us, uh, Lydia, on behalf of the uh, Legacy Hope Foundation. I want to thank you very much for taking this time. Nothing but positive things you've talked about. Uh, I just wanted to ask, what's, uh, what city are you referring to? Uh, oh, Saskatoon? We, yeah, we live in Saskatoon. Okay. I think I've been there a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a nice small city. Lots of trees there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, before we wrap this up? No, I just want to thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it and hope I was help. help. Oh, you've been a big help, Lydia. Thank you so much. Thank you again for taking this time. For sure. Thanks, you guys. Have a good day. Okay, bye. Bye. Voices from the Land is a podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Music is provided by David Finkel. For more episodes like this and to learn more about the work we are doing, please visit www.legacyofhope.ca.